Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. We're in number five of a six-part series called The Old Cowboy Ways. We've been looking at, at, at these different ways that are, are kind of lost to us. And, and I think that we summarized it very well last week whenever we said that we live in a, we live in a pill pushing and, and, or a pill popping and button pushing sort of life right now. Man, if there's something wrong with you, there's a pill for it. And anymore, well, a lot of people don't know the value of hard work. No longer do we have to go to the stream and, and, and sit there and scrub on a scrub board to do our laundry. We walk in there, you know, and, and put a deal of soap in the washing machine and push a button and go, I've been doing laundry all day, you know. And, and, I, and I'm not saying that it's not tedious and stuff like that. I, I know it is. You know, no more, do, if I go work on a ranch, I don't have to saddle up at 2.30 in the morning and ride one horse and lead another one so that I can get there by daylight. I just go out there and I start my pickup and I turn the heater on and I drive to the ranch, okay? We've been talking about the old cowboy ways. And in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, in the Simplified Cowboy Version, it says, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around and ask for the old cowboy ways and do them. Ride down this trail and you'll find rest for your soul. And isn't that what we're kind of all searching for? Because if you're like me, man, you, 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 you kind of struggled maybe struggling, or you will struggle. I mean, pick one, maybe all three. But wouldn't it be nice just to have a little rest in our soul? And, and, and it's not me that's going to give it to you, and it's not Save the Cowboy that's going to give you rest for your soul. It's going to be when you stop at the crossroads and look around. Where are you at in your life right now? I mean, you know, and I'm not talking about whether you got a nice house or plenty of food on the table. Where's your heart at right now? Stop at the crossroads and look around and ask for the old cowboy ways. But don't just ask for them, man. When you when when these old cowboys, you know, I, I've I've been really blessed to be around some really good cowboys in my life. But have you ever had that old cowboy that you say, "What do you think about this?" And he goes, "Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it." But you do it anyway, don't you? And then later on, you tell the story. That son of a gun told me not to do that, but I did it anyway. You know, ask for the old cowboy ways and do them. Ride down this trail. And you'll find rest for your soul. He doesn't say, ask for the old cowboy ways and do them, and immediately you're going to find rest for your soul. No, he says, you got to ride down that trail. You're probably not going to find rest for your soul. You know, a lot of people are like, well, I've been reading my Bible for two days. I ain't got nothing out of it. And you got to read that thing because something you read today, you may not get something out of for the next 15 years. But on that day, you're going to be like, that's what he meant. We live in an immediate gratification society. Ask for the old cowboy ways and do them. Ride down this trail and you'll find rest for yourself. Talking about old cowboy ways, you know, there, there's nothing more quintessential than the old cow, the cattle drives, you know, the Chisholm Trail and all of this stuff. Well, I don't know what in the world it would actually be like to be on a cattle drive, but I've moved lots of cattle in my life and it's exciting. I mean, it, it just, it gets your blood pumping because what you do is you walk behind a cow about this slow for hours. And if you want to know the pure adrenaline excitement, look at the southbound end of a northbound cow for like six months. Okay, that's what those cattle drives were like. 
I bet those men were out of their minds for. And you know what? That's what most a cowboy in his life. That's what most a cowboy in his life is. Is 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 it's not all the whooping and spurring and getting the rope stuff and you know your horse bucking with you and you you know covering it and all of this stuff, all that all this cool cowboy stuff that we talk about. That's not what most a cowboy in is. If you want to see what most a cowboy in is, come out to the Long X Ranch and follow Ty around that morning. He pulls up in his truck. He gets out. He goes and he starts water on water troughs. And then he goes over there and he gets in the tractor and he goes, and I hear, and then I hear the door slam and I hear him running around in the shop. And he's pouring gas in that big black thing that comes out that the stuff is usually shooting out of. He's pouring gas. No, I don't know. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. But, the, you know, the, he gets the tractor fired up after an hour and a half. And, um, and then he goes over there and he gets some hay and he goes out there and he feeds hay. And after he feeds hay, he backs up and he, he, he walks on foot and he looks at every single critter we got. The front end, the side end, the back end. Both eyes, both nostrils. He says, stick out your tongue and go, nah. uh, That's what he does. I don't know how he gets them to do it, but he does. And then he comes back and he gets some more hay and he goes out there to the, to the heifers and, and he does the same thing, man. He walks around them. He does this like for an hour. Every stinking day. Look, man, you know, most of cowboy, that's what it's like. He, and when he gets done there, man, you can hear him fire up the gator. And, man, he's got, got four or five T-posts in the back, and he's driving out. That's part of Save the Cowboy. It's the Long X Ranch part. And I know a lot of you like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> right? Well, you know, what I'm doing is I, I've been in my office since about 5.15 that morning. I've already been through a pot of coffee because I'm answering emails. I'm writing devotions. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the social media stuff. I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible, I'm studying, I'm trying to get anything I can done before Ty comes back and says, I need your help. Because, I mean, it happens. He can't do everything by himself. We were talking about that yesterday. If we could do it all by ourselves, we probably would never ask for help. And that's, that's a criticism on our part, not, not because there's not people willing to help us. It's just kind of the way cowboys do things. But that, that, that's what, if you want a behind-the-scenes look at Save the Cowboy, man, I'm in my office working, and Ty's out at the ranch working, and he's helping me, and I'm helping him. And most of it would bore you to death. And that's most of what being a cowboy is. Fixing fence, cleaning water troughs, checking on cattle. I mean, it, it, it's, not all, it's not all glamorous. You know, I, I wish I could say that, that, that being uh, a cowboy preacher for, for Save the Cowboy is every weekend it's book signings and men's conferences and everything. Most of it's reading emails from crappy people. Because I get criticized, but we get criticized all the time because we don't do things like everybody else does. And when you do things differently, what people do is they tell you how bad of a person you are because you don't do things the way they do them. Well, we're still going to do, we don't care what other people think, we care what God thinks. Okay? That, that, that's what most of our, our ministry is. It, it's not men's conferences. It's not book signings. 
I wish that we could say, man, our job is to get up every morning and have bacon and eggs and go out there with our ropes and we just spend all day roping cattle. No, that's, that's not it by any means. Most of it is boring. Most of it is, you know, bent over trying to get a cow to suck on a calf that, or get a calf to suck on a cow that she has abandoned. I mean, you know, it's not the glamorous stuff. You know, you got, you're behind the calf and, you know, and then you got scours all over your britches. You know, I mean, it, it's not glamorous. Actually, you know what it is? If there was a word for it, mundane. You know what mundane means? Mundane does not mean unimportant. Mundane means drudgery. Mundane means the same old thing day after day after day. Maybe, maybe we might be able to say it's most of it is dull. Most of being a cowboy is dull. All of these exciting stories that we tell you, that, that's the 2%, okay? That's the 2% that we get to pass along, and it's that 2% that makes us do that other 98% all the time. I think it's God's way of throwing us a bone, right? He's like, okay, okay, you can go rope one now. Yes, you've been waiting all my four days. But here's a crazy thought. Think about this. Here's a crazy thought. The mundane is what makes the most difference in your life. Because I know that maybe you don't cowboy for a living like we do. Maybe you're not in ministry like we are. But I know that you do mundane things. I know that, you know, you may sit at a desk or, you, you know, you, you may be working with your hands, but it's the same old, same old. It's meeting after meeting or teaching class day in and day out, or, or whatever the case may be. I know that you have some mundane things in your life, and you wish that your life was more exciting, and, and you long for something different. But, but maybe, just maybe, it's the mundane is what makes the most difference in your life. How do you handle the mundane? Because let me tell you that the difference between the mundane is the difference between making it and faking it. How you handle, because you, you show me somebody that's not willing to go out there and, and check the cows every single day. A lot of people said, well, how do we get, how can we come help you at your branding? You come help us with the mundane things. That's how you get to our branding. You don't get to just show up once a year with your fancy rope and your fancy team rope and saddle and think that you get to rope. It ain't like that. You know who gets to rope at our branding? It ain't Ty and it's not me. It's some other guys that's been out there doing all of those other things that we talked about. They're the ones that we let rope at our branding. It is the difference between making it and faking it. Mundane is the difference between joy and heartache. Mundane is the difference between success and failure. You show me somebody that's not willing to do the drudgery stuff, man, I'll show you somebody that never got to do the exciting stuff, not for very long. Mundane is the difference between who you are and who you'd like to be. And mundane is the difference between having knowledge of God and calling Him your friend. Which one is it? You know, do you just know a lot about God? You've read about him in a book? Or can you say, man, I walk with that man every single day. I know him. He's my friend. I know him. He knows me. See, with mundane things in our life, they start to wear us down if we're not careful. When we don't realize the importance of the mundane aspects of life, of checking fence, of checking water and cleaning uh, stalls and, and whatever else might be an illustration of your life, when that starts to wear on us, we start to get fatigued. In her book, Nothing to Prove, Jenny Allen lists four things that can start to happen when the mundane starts to wear on you. Warning signs 
maybe. We start to divide what we think is spiritual from practical. We start to compartmentalize our life. We divide what we think is spiritual from the practical. You know, you, you, you're a Christian at church, but, but on Monday you go back to, to whatever your job is. We, we start separating our spiritual lives from our work lives. We divide what we think is important from what is mundane. We think that just because it's drudgery and it's dull, that, that, that it must not be that important. So we start looking for important things to do, and, and we start neglecting all of this other stuff. We divide what we love to do from what we think we are supposed to do. Think about that. We, you know, um, most people go do what they love on the weekends, and they go do what they hate during the week. Now, that's dumb, but we all do it. And we divide our family and friendships from the mission of our lives. You, you, you can't tell me how often uh, pe people ask me, they say, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. How, how about love on those closest to you? How about start right there? You, you could just do that, and God would say, come on in, cowboy. We've been waiting on you. You've done a heck of a job. All I did was just really love on my family. What else is there? Because if you can't love them, you ain't going to love nobody else. See, we miss that God wants to be the center of the carnage that we call our lives, right? I mean, isn't your life is a mess. Quit trying to pretend it's not. All of our lives are a mess. None of us know what we're doing. But God wants to be the center of the carnage, the middle of the mess, and the ingredient in the mission. Think about that. Now, I can tell you that after the first service, I had a couple of people come up and tell me that they really like this message. The rest of them ran for the door. So I, I don't know which one you'll be, but, I, but this message was for me because over the last three or four days, man, I, I've just kind of been, I bet my wife has asked me 70 or 80 times, are you okay? And there's nothing wrong. There is absolutely nothing wrong. I'm not mad. I'm not sad. I'm not depressed. I'm, I'm, I'm not happy. And I, I don't mean that I'm not happy. I'm just meaning I'm not, yeah, I'm not skipping anywhere. <laughs> you know, I haven't held hands with anybody besides my wife and my granddaughter. I haven't been handing out Pop-Tarts, okay? You know, but I, I, I'm not sad. I'm not depressed. I'm not anything. But have you ever just had a terrible case of the don't want to's? Just like... <laughs> Oh, even things you like to do. I mean, you know, usually you get the call, hey, we need to go rope something. And you're like, yeah. Over the last couple of days, like, well, hey, we need to go rope something. I'm like, no, I don't want to go rope something. You know, of course we do it, you know, and, and nobody would have probably, Ty knows me well enough, he probably noticed. But it, it's not like you, you, you're like refusing to do something or you don't want to do it anymore. But have you ever just been like fatigued? Just tired. You just, you know, kind of, did anybody else's dad ever tell them to pick up their feet when they walk? I think you can always tell a kid that was raised cowboy because he doesn't drag his feet. Pick your feet up. Pick your feet up. Pick your feet up. Pick your feet up. And, and I've worn a hole in my boot. Oh, do I have to? And, I, and I've done everything I was supposed to do. I just felt fatigued. And, and, and I'm willing to bet that that some of you have been feeling that same way too, because that's what I heard from the first services. Man, I, I kind of been feeling that way too. No, nothing's wrong. Nothing horrible is happening. It's just, whew. Have you ever felt tired and wonder if this is all worth it? And, and if it is worth it, is this all there is? Because life kind of seems mundane. Ask anybody all the time, what's been going on? Same old, same old. 
Isn't that what everybody says? I mean, or in some version? Oh, you know, same old, same old. Same song, different verse. There's another kind of dirtier version of that, but you know what I mean. Same old stuff, right? <laughs> Something like that. What do you do whenever you get fatigued? Whenever the mundane aspects of life, man, the drudgery, the dullness of it just starts to wear on you. What are the causes of that? And I'm going to give you four causes to feelings of fatigue. And, and really, we're kind of more talking about the spiritual fatigue, not just being tired or overworked or needing a day off. I'm talking about something that, that, that not really in your body, but, but more in your soul. Four causes to fatigue, the feelings of fatigue. The, the very, and some of you, I know whenever I say some of these things, you're going to be, you're, you're going to try to keep a straight face. Like, I can't believe he just said that. I'm going to act like I'm not shocked. And yeah, because I get it. But the very first one, some of the causes of fatigue is misconceptions that we have about who God is. When our, our feelings of fatigue start to set in. The first one is a misconception that God needs us. Look, I, I'm not trying to be rude, but the history of the world does not depend upon you. Okay? God does not need you. And, and, and I tell you, and I, most of these are for me, and I'm just passing them along to you. Because as a pastor, I used to think that if I wasn't on my game and I wasn't doing this and I wasn't doing that and I wasn't working like a sled dog and a draft horse and a plow mule, that, this, that somebody was going to go to hell. But that's not true because I, it's not my responsibility. Jesus died for everyone and they get to make a choice. Someone's not going to go to hell if I have an off day. Because, see, God doesn't need me. Nothing depends upon me. You know. <laughs> One of, the, one of the greatest feelings in the world was, was whenever I finally understood that if I actually happened to make a mistake, it hasn't happened yet, by the way. Don't, don't worry, y'all, don't worry. Don't worry. It hasn't happened yet. But if I happen to make a mistake, God's not going to look down and go, oh my gosh, what did he do? He just screwed everything up. How are we going to fix this? That's not going to happen, guys. He's already seen everything, okay? <laughs> not I hate to say this, but nothing depends nothing depends on, on, on you and how well you get something done today, okay, in the grand scheme of things. You know, the, the drudgery of life is life. Do you, do you think that David thought that his shepherding the sheep whenever he was a little kid and his, his older brothers were off partying or doing whatever they were and he was sent out with the sheep every day? Do you think he thought that was going to be in some monumental grand scheme of things? You think looking at the southbound end of a northbound cow's bed, how about a sheep? Good grief, let's stop right there. I just got the shivers. Kind of got a little queasy a little bit. That, that's scary, isn't it? Looking at a sheep all day? No wonder he had a slingshot. Can't tell me he didn't practice on a few of them, I think. I mean, not to hit them, just see if he could get close, right? Especially that one that would wander off all the time. But you know what that drudgery every day did? Gave him time to practice with that slingshot, didn't it? That kind of come in handy later, didn't it? Think about that. Because the mundane things in life are actually the preparation for what God's going to do through you. And if you're not willing to do the mundane things, you're probably not going to get to experience the cool stuff either. Because, see, God doesn't necessarily need you. Okay? N -n nothing really hinges. And, uh, you know, your, your kids are not going to turn out to be mass murderers if you have an off day. Okay? God doesn't need you to fix everything and everybody around you, okay? 
And I don't mean that to get on to you. I'm, I'm saying just relax. Nothing necessarily hinges on you and your efforts because if I'm not mistaken, Jesus on the cross, didn't He say it is finished? Aren't we supposed to depend? The law used to be where we were made right with God through our own efforts, but no more. Now we are made right through the sacrifice of, of God's Son. So no more do we have to put all of this burden and responsibility on our shoulders because look, this may hurt your feelings, but God doesn't need you. Here's the thing though. God doesn't need you. He loves you. He loves you. I got to thinking about that with, with, with my kids. What, what do my kids have to do to make me love them? What does your child have to do to make deserve your love? Why don't you, if you're, if you're that good, because I know most of you said, well, nothing. Some of you might have said, pick up your rooms. I don't know. I mean, that may be a condition. But you know what? Our kids don't have to deserve our love. We give it. And if you who are, new, who are good fathers know how to be good to your children, to love your children, how much more do your Father in heaven love you? God doesn't love you depending on what you do. God doesn't need you. He loves you. As a matter of fact, in John 3, 16, I mean, most of us know that or have heard it once or twice before, that God loved you so much that He sent His only Son to die for you. God loves you so much that He sent His one boy to die for you. God doesn't need you. He loves you. And I think that we get that wrong sometimes that we think He needs us to do this and needs us to do that and needs us to do that. He just wants to love you and He wants you to love Him back. The second thing is we have a misconception that God wants us to live our life for Him. Listen, this is going to be strange to a lot of you, but God does not want you to live your life for Him. Okay? And I, I know this is like, what? That's what they've been teaching us in church and, 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 and all this stuff for years and years and years. How can you possibly stand up there and say, that God does not want you to live your life for Him. Because when you start living your life for God, then it's implied that that Bible is a set of rules that you're supposed to abide by so you can do it for Him. That somehow that, that He's a taskmaster. That you must act better every single day and fix every single thing right now. But, but whenever, you, whenever you start doing that and you're working and 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 you're living your life for Him and living your life for Him and living your life for Him, and you get tired. And guess what happens? You quit. Because see, God doesn't want you to live your life for Him. God wants you to live your life with Him. Don't you see the difference? God doesn't want you to live your life for Him. He wants you to live your life with Him. You know, a, a lot of times I think we, we look at God, and I know I used to, as this demanding taskmaster, go out and spread the gospel and go out and do this and go out and do that. Let me know when you're done and I'm going to have another chore for you to do. No, you know what God's usually saying? He's like, hey, man, come on. Come with me. Let's go do some stuff. Isn't that what we do to our kids? My, my son last night was saying, he's like, Dad, I, I don't understand, man. He said, I don't understand some of these kids these days, man. We, we, we were actually in town. He goes, these parents do everything for their kids. Everything. Like these kids, I don't even know if they know how to do anything. He said, I watched it was like a nine-year-old boy. The mom unwrapped his hamburger at McDonald's for him and set it in front of him. He's like, man, I've had to do that since I was like one and a half. I was like, unwrap mine too. <laughs> and dig a post hole when we get home, right? You got to set that fence, you know? But I mean, th th that's just one of the things. But God doesn't want you to do stuff for him. He wants you to do stuff with him. And a lot of times whenever I tell my kids, I was like, come on, let's go. Let's go do this. I don't really need their help. I want their company. That's what God wants with you too. 
Revelations 3.20. Listen to this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Yeah, think about that. That's what God wants you to be is with him, not working for him. He wants you to be working with him towards a purpose that will fulfill you. And then the third misconception is that God is mad at us. You know, a lot of people think that they just can't get this Christian thing down. And, and one or two things happen when, when you can't get this Christian thing down. Living like the Bible is hard to do. And we've talked about that, and it is difficult because overcoming our sinful nature is hard. But when you can't quite get this Christian thing done, two things happen. The first thing that happens is you start making excuses that God loves you anyway. Yes, He does love you anyway, but He might not like what you're doing. Okay? Yes, he does love you anyway, but don't make excuses for your actions just because you get tired of doing them. That's what happens when people start thinking that they can't get this Christian thing down. They start making excuses, and they no longer try to better themselves. They just start making excuses. Or the second thing is they just quit. Have you? Have you quit? Because it's easy to do. You find yourself expecting fire and brimstone because of the things you did. And you know what? You're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. And, and you may think it's a grand mess up. You might think it's a little mess up, but you're going to mess up. But God's not going to be mad at you because he's seen that you was going to do it. And yes, he does love you anyway. And he does forgive you. But that doesn't mean that that's okay for you to keep doing it. Okay? But he's not going to send down a hellfire and brimstone on you just because you messed up one time. Okay? And that should make you want to... I, I'm sure grateful that whenever I mess up, God, God gives me grace that I don't deserve. But some people... They don't want God to be mad at them. They want God to be mad at somebody else. Because people get, you know, uh, I, got a, I got an email this week from a fellow that just, I mean, ripped me a new one over some stuff. Some of the ways we run Save the Cowboy. I mean, he, I, he, he, he went like left field. I mean, this is nasty and mean, mean, mean. And I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to open up the can of worms, okay? I'm not asking you to agree with me. I'm just going to give you an example. He called me a no-account counterfeit because I wear my hat while I preach, okay? And a lot, said a lot of mean things about me. And I told him to look in Exodus 29 when God said to Aaron, he said, hey, man, you tell Aaron to get dressed and put on all this garment on and be sure he's got his turban on before he comes to see me. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that everybody's got to wear their hat. If you don't agree with it, take your stupid hat off. I nearly had to say Hail Marys, didn't I? I don't know what that is, but I nearly had to say them. Here's the other thing, though. You want to know why I wear a cowboy hat in church? It's a reminder to me to be the same person behind this pulpit as I am out there in that passion. That's why I wear it. I don't wear it whenever I pray. And I'm not asking you to agree with me. But see, some people, when they get fatigued, man, they start attacking other people. They start nitpicking and thinking that they're better Christians than somebody else or, or whatever the case may be. But see, God's not mad at me. He's not mad at you. God isn't mad at you. He misses you. Think about that. God's not mad at you. He sure enough misses you. I think some of you have been gone a little too long. You might be like that fella in, in Luke chapter 15. A lot of times we call it the prodigal son. You know what prodigal means? I didn't. I didn't know until a couple of years ago. I always thought it was some fella that did stuff he wasn't supposed to, right? Spins wastefully. But it should be called the prodigal father. Because this son didn't want to wait for his daddy to die. He said, hey, man, I don't want to wait on you to die. I want you to give me your part of everything right now. And the father's like, okay. Gives him half of everything he owns, and the dude goes and he wastes it. That's what I would do. 
I'd probably go waste it. Not at this point in my life, but when I was a young man, I, I guarantee you, I'd have gone and wasted everything, just like he did. He ends up where the pigs eat better than he does, and he decides to crawl back home to his daddy. He says, man, the slaves are better than I am. I'll come home and ask my father to take me in as a slave, as a servant. And in Luke chapter 15, verse 10, to prove that God's not mad at you, that he misses you no matter what you have done, the Bible says, so he, talking about the son, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. See, God ain't mad at you, but he does miss you. You've been gone a little too long. It's time for you to come back. Time for you to show back up. Time to be who you were supposed to be. You see, God don't need you, but he sure enough loves you. God don't want you to live your life for him. He wants you to live with him. God ain't mad at you. He just misses you. And the last thing, we have a misconception of the mundane aspects of our life. All that stuff that's making you tired, that's making you shuffle your feet, that all of that is meaningless, but it's not. It's not meaningless, no matter how mundane it is. A couple of days ago, we had to doctor some, some heifers and get some shots and some other stuff. And I decided, you hear me talk about Fiona a lot. You hear me talk about Budhead. Well, I got another horse. Her name's Faelene. Actually, it's my wife's mare. And she's been doing really good. I started her. Abe worked with her also. And, and then I've been riding her for the last year. And she does, she does really good, man. I take her to Gary. She does good. I take her to Charlie. She does good. Take her to Robert. She does good. You get on her at the house, and she's an idiot. So it was me and Ty and Gary and Brett, and we was out there. And I didn't do anything except run in circles, trying to talk her out. Of bucking me off. I don't think she'd buck me off, but I mean, we just didn't get anything done. I, I wasn't pulling my weight uh, on, on this deal. I finally had to tell Ty, I was like, look, dude, if you need to go in front of me, just go while I'm pulling her in circles because she's acting like an idiot. I did that just a little bit too fast. I'm going to stand here like this for a second. Look the other way or go the other way. I bet I'll switch sides. Okay, I'm better now. But we're, we're, going, we're going through the gate, right? Because we had to cut some, some heifers off and everything, and we're going through the gate. And I told Ty, I said, man, I said, uh, I said, I hate when she acts like this when I ride her at the house. And then I followed it quickly up with, I hate it even worse that it's my fault. I hate it when that mare acts like that. And I hate it even worse that it's my fault. Ty was exactly right when he said, it's always our fault. You want to know why she acts like that? Because when I take her out, she's away from all of her friends and everything. She acts good. But man, at home, she's herd bound and she's whinnying and acting like an idiot. And you know whose fault that is? Mine, because I don't ride them at home. You want to know why I don't ride them at home? Because there is nothing freaking more boring than loping circles. Not doing nothing, just loping circles. You know what that mare needs? Lope some circles. You got a brand new arena down there. I ain't got no excuse in the world. But it's mundane. It's dull. I hate that. Man, you... You tell me, go move those cows. I can go move those cows. But Ty's, I'm like the dog. You know, Ty's like, quit tousing the cows. Like, I, I don't like to run circles. I want to go do something, but I hate that. And I know you got something that you hate too. But you know what? Don't we act the same way as that mayor? Well, we come to church and we're like, yeah, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Boy, aren't we on our best behavior everywhere but home? How do you act at home? You act the same way at home as you do in public? I'd be willing to bet you don't. 
because I know I don't. And I shake your hand up here, give you a smile and a pat on the back. I got four kids at home. I spend half my day, what are y'all doing? Yeah, you stop that. <laughs> you know, I mean, and some of them are grown, some of them are little. Some, one of them's a baby. I get on her too. They keep telling me she don't understand, but she does. Because I tell her no, and she goes, she knows. She knows. I'm going to get her some post hole diggers. About time to start. Never too early to start. How do you act at home? Because, see, home is where the mundane happens. And just dishes, honeydews, kids, parents. I get it. But you know what? We have a misconception that the mundane is meaningless, but it's not. It's not. Isn't it time that we see that our mundane life at home is the real measure of who we are? Who you are at home is more of a reflection of who you really are than who you are at church. And who I am at home is a better representation of who I really am than who I am up here behind the pulpit. Now, I, I, I try real hard to be that same person. But if I can't be the husband and the dad and the cowboy that I needed to be at home, then I'm no good to any, any of y'all here. And the same thing goes for y'all. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, hopes all things, believes all things, and endures all things. Is that you? Because I know that the mundane aspects of life, man, it feels like you've been on the back end of a cow for six months. Step after step after step after step after step. But won't you realize that that mundane aspect of your life is the tilled soil in preparation for what God is planting in your life? I want you to start looking forward to those mundane things in your life. It is the preparation for the fruit that you will one day bear. It'll be the soil in which your success is planted and it will be the seedbed for which your internal soul grows from. There was, it was last year sometime, I think, and there was a bunch of us, we were going to be branding some cattle that day, and there was a bunch of us across the road because the road runs right through the place, and we were all over there. And I remember sitting there talking to Ty and talking to Gary and talking to a few others that, that really help us out out there, and I'm sitting there, and, and I remember looking over, and Sean and Tara were still at their trailers with another friend of mine. And as I look over, I see Tara jumping down onto the ground. And I see Sean doing like this, and my heart sank because there's a horse running loose, and there's a person's body laying on the ground, not moving. I don't even think that I looked when me and Ty and the rest of the cowboys out there, we crossed Kiowa Bennett Road at a full lope to get to our fallen comrade didn't know what had happened and I'll tell you about it next week have you ever dreamed of being a cowboy do you long to ride for the brand if you're one of those rare individuals then we at save the cowboy have something just for you we believe that you are capable of more than you ever imagined we are offering you the chance to ride for the Lord and save the Cowboys Long X Ranch we can show you how to be stronger go further and ride harder than you ever thought possible. And you know what? We just happen to have a spot for a cowboy. You ready to saddle up? 
A long X-Ranch cowboy is a person wanting to take their relationship with God to the next level. Our cowboys strive to live a life worthy of their calling and help save the cowboy, gather the lost, and bring back those that have strayed away. Are you ready to take the outside? If so, go to SaveTheCowboy.com and sign up today. We'll be waiting on you.